0: This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide issue that affects you. I'm Jake Neer. Shayna is out this week. We thought we'd bring you a conversation that I recently had with State Senator Mallory McMorrow, a Democrat from Royal Oak whose impassioned floor speech went viral. She was pushing back against baseless attacks made by her Republican colleague, State Senator Lana Tice of Brighton, in a fundraising email. It claimed that McMorrow and other Democrats wanted to groom and sexualize children. McMorrow's speech has garnered so much attention that she actually got a call from the president about it. Here's what she had to say about that.
1: Certainly not the uh, the week that I thought I was going to be having <laughs> last week to get a a call from the president. But he um, he actually called me twice, uh, and I missed it the first time <laughs> because I was reading to my daughter and putting her to bed. So that's a, a story I'm going to hold over her head for the rest of her life. Is that she was more important than the president? But um, <laughs> it, it was you know he he just said thank you and and without divulging too much of a personal conversation, said that, you know, he's he's been doing this a lot longer than I have um, and has never seen it this bad where, you know, flinging hateful, untruthful comments with no idea of the consequences is just accepted as normal.
0: You just look down at your phone and see miss call Joe Biden, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what comes up.
0: (laughs) Uh, I wanted, I do want to talk a little bit about your speech. At its core, this speech was about allyship and, and what is that's all about in 2022. Um, it was about allyship in the face of scapegoating as well. I, I want to know what you're sort of thinking in terms of what you see as it meaning to be an ally to marginalized people, especially at this moment.
1: Yeah, and it was it was me sitting for a day in how horrible it felt when, when Lana Tice sent out the email accusing me directly of wanting to groom and sexualize kindergartners, which is just such a disgusting, vile thing to say about another mother, you know, and, and I just I, I really tried to digest how bad that felt. And then how much harder that has to be if that is something that is lobbed you every single day just because you happen to be gay or trans or, you know, defending your your very right to exist and felt like I I, I had to hit back. So in this moment where we're seeing whether it's attacks on claims of critical race theory or teachings of slavery or um, like Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill and targeting the LGBTQ community, people need us to stand up and fight for them, especially people who are not members of the marginalized community. I know we're we're all worn out over the past few years. I certainly am. But it's just going to keep going unless there are consequences.
0: I think the tricky thing here is often how you step into a space that isn't necessarily yours, right? How should people think about that issue if they see themselves as allies?
1: And and I think about that a lot. So the night before, uh, I I was figuring out what to write and what to say. I talked to friends and colleagues in the LGBTQ community because I wanted to make sure that I was stepping in in a respectful way, in the right way. That wasn't turning it into my issue, Um, but really reclaiming my own identity and saying that it's going to require people like me um, to step into this space. So, you know, I feel like too often In the fear of saying the wrong thing, those of us who need to be saying something aren't saying anything at all. And I'm certainly guilty of that. And we have to get uncomfortable and practice. And if you have questions, ask people. I think that the feedback that I've gotten is so many people just saying thank you for standing up for them. And and people are going to appreciate if you do. And if you're concerned about it, ask somebody.
0: So as we know, millions of people have seen the speech at this point. Uh, Last time I checked, it was 14.5 million people. Um, I'm wondering what you hope comes next. What kind of action or reaction are you hoping for for everyone who has seen this uh, video and responds positively to it?
1: My my hope is that everybody takes action. It's not going to be enough to watch a speech. This is something my mom said this week is if everybody watches your speech, it's not going to matter unless a lot more people stand up and do what you did and we're seeing that play out you know that the speech started taking off and then we saw another uh email from tom barrett who's running for congress against Alyssa slotkin that was a, you know a just horrible trick email that said your child has been assigned gender reassignment surgery click here for appointment details And the click went to his fundraising page, and it it is getting worse and worse. We saw what played out with the GOP nominating convention, and it didn't stop with one speech. So all of us, if you saw the speech, if you liked it, if you (laughs) thought that it was the right thing to do, you're the next person who needs to stand up and do the same thing.
0: This is what kind of concerns me as someone who's been following state politics for a very long time and has sat in the Capitol covering sessions and things like that. Someone like Tom Barrett. I'm thinking about uh, getting to know him when he was in the state house. Someone who was able to work across party lines at times. Uh, someone who seemed to be, um, you know, very open to trying to to uh, view his job in a in a way that was was above the fray at times, at least. And and now seeing. It's it's been years now. It's not just this one thing, but someone like like him. And I'm not trying to just single him out because it's not just him. But um, it's a good example of the extremes in the party pushing people who previously uh, were were serious about getting things done and and not scapegoating and things like that to these extremes to the point where it's it's just it's it spins my my head around personally uh to to see this kind of rhetoric coming from even people that that like that
1: it, it, it's true and it just feels at this point like a competition for who can say the worst thing and it, it's it's saying things without any thought to the consequence but there are very real consequences this type of language about grooming and pedophilia is the exact thing that led a gunman to barge into Comet Ping Pong Pizza Place in D.C. and open fire, thinking that there were children there captured in a basement that didn't even exist, being held by pedophiles. So, you know, it it is beyond the pale that this is the strategy, but it's the strategy by everybody. and, And it's you know, Trump and Trumpism and the Michigan GOP as a party has adopted this strategy. The National Party has adopted this as a strategy. And it has very, very real world consequences on people who are marginalized and people who are painted to be one of
0: them. One of the most powerful reactions to your speech, I think, has been about combating this increasingly sort of, as as I've been saying, slanderous and flagrant Republican rhetoric. Um, My colleague, Russ McNamara, asked you about this last week. And for listeners, if you haven't heard that conversation, it's really great. Go to WDET.org and check that out. Um, But I I wanted to ask you about something that Russ brought up as well in that conversation. Uh, Michelle Obama famously said, when they go low, we go high. Since then, I think that it's been interpreted to mean – Essentially, when they go low, we lie down. Um, I want to get your thoughts about what going high means, especially in this case, uh, because I think that's kind of what you were doing uh, in this speech. It's just that, that uh, it's doing that in a way that takes on this extremism and the scapegoating directly, though, which is uh, different from how we've thought about this issue recently.
1: Absolutely. And I I think that what I really tried to do was – be respectful, but be aggressive and hit back and call hate what it is. But it wasn't getting into mudslinging. You know, originally, when when I was thinking about what to say, I was thinking about kind of hypocrisy and things that have happened in the Republican Party and other people who have, who have done quite literal grooming and, and realizing that is not going to elevate this issue. That is not going to combat it. That is going to keep it In the sandbox. And Mm. we have to get out of that. Um, So I I think that my hope was to go high, but to hit back. And I, I think we have maybe misinterpreted the idea that going high means that you just ignore it or you don't give hate air. But we have to or it keeps growing.
0: You also mentioned that in the response to this, that for one thing, um, and, and maybe you, maybe we should talk about this a little bit. How positive uh, the response has been. Uh, I know that your office is overwhelmed with uh, emails and and people reaching out, um, but I, I also know that that in sort of the wake of this entire week, um, that you've said that it a lot of the times that it makes just doing your regular job in Lansing really difficult. Uh, So I wanted, I know you've been talking on on national outlets and everything uh, for the past week or so now uh, about this issue specifically, but I also want to give you a chance to talk about some of the other work that you're doing, some of the other legislation or issues that you're particularly focused on right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I I pointed that out. You know, I had, we got a call to our office from a lobbyist who was working on an issue about um, expanding Uh, programs for training within community colleges, which is something that is great, you know, something that I support and want to move forward with and and texted my chief of staff and said, hey, you know, where is your boss on this bill? Do you have any feedback? And just the response was, we are grappling with dealing with being accused of grooming and sexualizing children. I can't think about this bill right now. And that's the reality, I think, for, for a lot of people in this space is this is not only just hateful and horrible language, it disrupts the business of running the state of Michigan, of putting forward programs like this. You know, So I have been working on legislation to expand access to electric vehicle chargers. I have been working on uh, trying to put together a pilot program, potentially here in Oakland County, uh, to create a, a subsidized paid leave program so that small businesses have an incentive to offer paid leave. And a lot of that work is just ground to a halt when things like this happen, so I've been really pushing people in the lobby corps, people who you know, donate to candidates to say it's not just a matter of who's in the majority and who's not. It is grinding the business of working for 10 million people in the state to a halt.
0: And it's a particularly important time right now. I know that that I, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. That you uh, don't sit on any of the budget subcommittees, but I know that the budget is sort of in full swing right now in Lansing. This is the maybe the the most sort of significant piece of legislation that comes through the Capitol every single year. And it seems like uh, in the midst of an election year of sort of uh, chaos within uh, especially the Republican Party right now and then these sorts of events uh, that, you know, the the concentration, it's got to be difficult to sort of make sure that uh, all of the, the minutiae and the fine points that need to be put on something as important and impactful as, as the budget or other legislation, uh, it, again, it makes it a little bit more difficult.
1: Absolutely, and, and you're right. I don't serve on the Appropriations Committees, but we keep you know a running list in my office of our priorities, and we work with all of our municipalities and stakeholders to make sure we are constantly advocating for the things that we feel need to get into the budget on behalf of of our constituents and it is it's such a again distraction when we can't even focus on that and i've been talking to to people now about what does this mean for democrats and strategy and and beyond that i think this says there's a lot of good that democrats and frankly republicans too we've worked on the budget on a very bipartisan basis and for the four years that i've been in office um But it makes it hard for people to even notice the work that comes out. You're not going to notice, you know, if your street is being fixed, if you're constantly being pummeled with this moral panic, the house is on fire, just vitriolic garbage. So I think that's why it's so important that we just have to shut this down so we can get back to debating how we spend budget dollars and what our priorities are, because that's what actually matters to people.
0: I know you've been getting this question a lot. I do want to make sure that we get it out of the way, which is um, as as of the last time I heard you speak about this, uh, still no apology from Senator Lana Tice or any Republicans. Um, any update on that? No, still nothing. Mm. Uh, right now, you represented a district that's pretty evenly split between Democrats and Republicans. I'm curious, you know, have going around your district, you know, you, you're in, in a reelection campaign right now. Do you think Republicans in your district, which, again, um, is centered in Royal Oak in Oakland County, do you think that Republicans in your district are seeing themselves reflected in the party today?
1: No, I mean, and that's part of how I I won this seat in the first place. I ran for office for the first time in 2018 and beat a sitting incumbent largely on the heels of sort of the impact of, of Trump and Trumpism. Uh, because this is, you know, I represent Mitt Romney's hometown. We have yeah. a lot of Republicans who are traditional kind of Oakland County, small business owners and, and want balanced budgets and low taxes, but don't want outright hatred and lies and slander. And when I have been talking to people in the district, I've been at a few events in person since the speech went went up. I have had people tell me from all parties saying, I'm a Democrat, I support you, I'm a Republican, and I don't support everything that you stand for, but I 100% support what you said, libertarian saying the same thing. So so this is not where at least the the Republicans that I represent are in terms of where they want to see their party go. And I think a lot of them feel lost right now.
0: Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow, a Democrat from Royal Oak representing Michigan's 13th state Senate district. Uh, Senator McMorrow, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jake.